Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to our last encore presentation of Heart to Heart with Anna for Heart Month 2016. Today's show is from Season 5 and was Episode Number 8, Living on Faith, Miracles and Cardiomyopathy. Did you know that February 29th is National Rare Disease Day? Many heart defects are considered rare diseases, but I decided for this last encore presentation of Heart Month 2016 to focus on an episode from Season 5. The theme for Season 5 was Miracles Do Happen, and I love how this show fits in with that theme. I hope you enjoy today's encore presentation. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. I'm Heart to Heart with Anna. Our unit season is Miracles Do Happen, and we have a great show today. There are a number of syndromes which have a congenital heart defect as part of their characteristics. One such syndrome is Barth syndrome. This syndrome, according to the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, is a rare genetic disorder of lipid metabolism that primarily affects males. It is caused by a mutation in its tafazin gene which leads to decreased production of an enzyme required to produce cardiolipin. Cardiolipin is an essential lipid that is important in energy metabolism. BTHS, which is how Barth syndrome is referred to, affects multiple body systems and is considered serious. A mother who is a carrier of BTHS shows no signs or symptoms of the disorder herself. On average, 50% of children born to a carrier mother will inherit the defective gene, but only boys will develop symptoms. All daughters born to an affected male will be carriers. There is no specific treatment for Barth syndrome. Medicines may be prescribed to help control heart problems. Only careful dietary monitoring directed by a physician or nutritionist familiar with the disorder can ensure proper caloric and nutritional intake. Early and accurate diagnosis is key to prolonged survival for boys born with Barth syndrome. Severe infections and cardiac failure are common causes of death in affected children. Today's show, Living on Faith, Miracles and Cardiomyopathy, features Christy Pena, the mother of a Barth syndrome survivor. Christy Pena is currently a stay-at-home mom and caregiver to her youngest son, Christopher. He was born in heart failure and given less than six months to live. He lived under hospice for 15 months until the discovery of a miraculous improvement. He has continued to do well despite the odds. Christy volunteers for Barth Syndrome Foundation, the Children's Miracle Network, 
Hospital Blair E. Bastion Hospital for Children, and several other various causes. She helps new families by sharing her knowledge and resources and advocacy. She has written for Complex Child e-magazine and guest blogged. She has met with various politicians advocating for congenital heart defects and rare disease. Christy's family makes various appearances for Children's Miracle Network, traveling to Orlando and Washington, D.C. They've also been in countless news articles sharing their incredible stories. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna, Christy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to have you back on the show, Christy. Our longtime listeners may remember Christy from Episode 7 in Season 1 when she did Snowflakes, How Each Heart is Unique. And at that time, Christy, we talked a bit about Christopher's heart defect, but let's talk a little bit more in depth today. Can you tell us exactly what Christopher's diagnosis was when he was born? Sure. Well, initially, they didn't want us to hone in on a specific diagnosis. I think the specific type of cardiomyopathy Christopher had at that time was just now starting to be recognized. And so I think it really scared the doctors a little bit because they'd never seen it before. But he was actually born with dilated, non-compacted cardiomyopathy. And what that means is when you have cardiomyopathy, cardio is of the heart. Myopathy is disease of the muscle. So when you have the dilation, that means the heart is enlarged. Left ventricular non-compaction, which is the new diagnosis that the doctors weren't very familiar with at the time, that means instead of during fetal development, instead of growing together properly, the muscle fibers of the left ventricle, they remain stringy and separated, and the heart is not able to effectively pump the blood. To the body. And he also mm-hmm. had several other mild defects such as mild regurgitation and whatnot. Most of those things corrected themselves shortly after birth other than the cardiomyopathy. Okay. Still very complicated and very frightening for you, I'm sure. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Usually, first of all, you're blown away when your child receives a diagnosis like that and you didn't expect it. But when they yeah. come to you and they say, this is what's wrong with your child, but we don't have a fix for it. It's pretty mind-blowing because at the time when Christopher was born, it was 2008, so that was the first reaction was, it's 2008, you can't fix it. That was my first thing. Mine and my husband's things were just fix it, make him better, fix it. They couldn't do it. There was no medical intervention offered to us as far as, because there was nothing missing, nothing out of place. There was nothing that needed to be connected. or There was really just nothing they could do to fix his heart defect, and that was really hard for us to accept. Um, We just want to fix it, make him better. Of course, that's what a mother wants to do. She wants to put a Band-Aid on it, give it a kiss, and make it all better. Who can't do that in this case? And it's terrifying. So when did they finally come up with the Barth syndrome diagnosis? Well, actually, this was further along down our journey. Christopher was 20 months old when we received the diagnosis of Barth syndrome. We'd actually been through quite a lot before that with just his heart and everything. We'll go into more details about that later on. We had a lot of other symptoms going along, such as failure to grow, inability to eat properly, all of these unexplained illnesses, like he would just keep getting these mystery fevers, and we would not know why. And many of the symptoms, though, were easily blamed on the heart. Any parent with a child with a heart defect, we know that we all struggle to get our babies to eat. So it's really easy to say that or the failure to thrive when your heart is struggling to pump efficiently, it's hard for the baby to grow. So it was really easy to blame those symptoms on his heart. However, there was just something nagging in the back of my mind saying there's more. And thankfully, the protocol at our hospital where we're treated at is that if you have cardiomyopathy, they will 
start the genetic testing process. And so that started pretty much when Christopher was born. And when you're doing genetic testing, it's a lot of trial and error. And there's a lot of tests that may get further advanced down the road and that may need to be repeated. In our case, I believe that actually happened. When he was three weeks old, we had a muscle biopsy done. And it came back to us inconclusive with suspected mitochondrial dysfunction. And we were told, just don't worry about it. They still thought it was idiopathic. There was no cause for his cardiomyopathy. Mm-hmm. Everything is okay. However, in the meantime, we did continue to see the geneticist, and they did blood work. And ultimately, one day, we got a call from the geneticist, and he says, well, I think I know what caused your son's heart condition. And so he started driving this disease to me, and I said, you just described my son to a T. And he said, well, chances are, if you say that this is the case, of course, we had to confirm it. And ultimately, it was confirmed. But when he called me that day and described the disease, he also described my nephew, who was 10 at the time, and he didn't have a heart condition. He just had all of these uh-huh. other weird symptoms. And so ultimately, uh-huh. the diagnosis led to my nephew's diagnosis. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So was that your sister's yes. child? Yes. Our so she is excellent. been devastated. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So he didn't have the heart problem, but he had all of the other symptoms, the low muscle tone and feeding problems or not growing properly. Were those some of the symptoms he had? Today, he's 14, and he's probably the size of a 7-year-old. And my 7-year-old, he's more the size of a 3-year-old. And so when the doctor called us that day and described the disease, and I said, well, you just described my nephew other than the heart condition. And he said, well, you're about to become the new expert on this disease, and chances are if you suspect that your nephew has it, he probably does. I'll believe you. And so we tested Jacob, and he definitely tested positive for Barr syndrome, which just confirmed that, This has actually been going on in our family a lot longer than we realize. Mm -hmm. I also have a cousin who's not confirmed, and I have two uncles who passed away in their infancy, which is also a common factor in birth syndrome. If you have a high Mm -hmm. incidence of miscarriage or stillbirth in males in your family, then there's a chance that you have the birth syndrome. That's just another symptom. However, that's not something Mm -hmm. that was on our radar because really we just didn't think we had any history of any heart conditions or anything. At the time my uncles were alive, this was back in the 50s, and when Mm -hmm. they died, one died of a heart condition. They didn't have those specific heart diagnoses then like they do today. And then my other uncle that passed away, he passed away from a bacterial infection, which was probably related to neutropenia, which is another symptom of bar syndrome that affects your immune system. And so... Definitely made a wow. lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, so all of a sudden you've become the family detective and you're discovering all these connections that maybe nobody else in your family made before. Uh, we would have never guessed it in a thousand years. I mean, for the most part, everybody in our family is healthy and, well, like on my mom's side of the family, the only survivors were the girls, and so they don't show symptoms like that. They're not affected by Barth syndrome. And also, it didn't get a name until 1996, so that makes it a little more miraculous that we found the diagnosis because it's a pretty newly recognized disease, although it's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's just now becoming more understood and recognized and under the doctor's radar to look and diagnose earlier, which leads to more survival for these boys. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, when you came on my show in December of 2013, you said there were something like 200 survivors around the world at that time. Isn't that true? That's correct. There are less than 200 known males affected with bar syndrome that we know at this time. And so it's really rare, but we believe that it's not diagnosed as often as it could be. 
Right, right. And maybe some, like your nephew, who don't have the heart component, so they didn't die in infancy, like so many, it seems like, of the Barth syndrome children who are affected do. Right. So now maybe with this new information, it seems like all the time new information is coming out as far as genetics especially. And so maybe we will find more survivors. Look, in your own family, it looks like you were able to identify multiple people who had that syndrome who up until this point nobody knew about. That's correct. And historically, this disease was understood that until the age of three, it was definitely fatal. So if your son was less than three years old and you found out he had Barth syndrome, you can pretty much bank that it was going to be a fatal thing. And the fact that the symptoms vary amongst different individuals, even among the same family, makes the diagnosis even harder, especially, like you said, Jacob not having a heart condition. He just floated along with no diagnosis for 10 years. So did they think he had a thyroid problem? They had several different misdiagnoses along the way. They even considered the fact that he might have leukemia because one of the symptoms of Barth syndrome is the neutropenia. So my sister finds herself in the cancer clinic and she looks around and she didn't even realize where she was. It was quite frightening when she realized. And ultimately, he did not have leukemia. He did not have many of the things that they thought. So having the Barth syndrome diagnosis is ultimately greatly helped him also in his quality of life. Wow. Well, that's a perfect way for us to end this first segment. It's already time for us to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back. And don't leave, listeners, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Christy about the miracles that she has witnessed regarding Christopher's life. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Living on Faith, Miracles in Cardiomyopathy, and features Christy Pena, the mother of a Barth Syndrome survivor, and also apparently the aunt of a Barth Syndrome survivor, and a real detective in her family. It's amazing to me everything that Christy has learned and how she's been able to help others in her family to understand their own family's medical history better. So we just finished talking with Christy about her son Christopher's heart defect and Barth syndrome. But now we're going to talk to her about the miracles that she's witnessed since she's given birth to Christopher. So, Christy, this season our shows are all about miracles, and I understand that you've witnessed some miracles regarding Christopher's history. So, can you tell us about that? Absolutely. It's my pleasure to share this. Well, back to the beginning of our interview here, I mentioned to you guys that the doctors told us there was nothing that could be done to fix Christopher's heart. And at the time, they did say the only medical intervention that we had was a heart transplant. So the heart unit here in Jackson, Mississippi, where we're from, at the time, we didn't have a heart program for our babies. So we had to go out of state to Arkansas. And while we were there, we were happy to go find out what's going to fix our baby again. And I remember the first cardiologist telling us, though, we're just trading one set of problems for another. It's not a cure. That's something that people really need to understand about a heart transplant is you are saving someone's life, but you're not curing. You're just trading out one set of issues for another because in the 
entire rest of their life, they're going to be taking harsh anti-rejection drugs and going to the hospital constantly to monitor rejection. And it's just not just one fix, let's go home, and we're better now. So anyway, we're in Arkansas, and we were there waiting for the new heart, going through the process to get listed for the new heart. And mm-hmm. we were watching our son decline, and we were watching everything go around us and seeing all the children that already had the surgery. Most people that were at that hospital, they would hear our story. They were, most of them were there to be sick and go home with their babies. And when we told them there's no fix for our children, for our child's heart condition, we could just see how hard that was for them to accept just as well as it was for us. But ultimately, mm-hmm. while we were there, the day that he, Christopher was to be listed for a heart transplant, my husband and I, we pretty much worn the, the knees of our blue jeans out praying and deciding what we should do because you don't get to have, let's take it back and start over again with a heart transplant. It's not quite like, let's try this again. It's a one or done. Well, we just felt a nagging on our heart that Christopher may or may not survive long enough to get the heart. He may reject the heart, and he still may not make it. And ultimately, there were a lot of other factors that related to our decision, including the fact that our 10-year-old son was in another state, and we hadn't seen him in a long time, and it very well may be a long time before we saw him again. So our family is just completely split up. And while we were there, we just decided that God wanted us to place our trust in him and to have faith, and we decided to come home without that heart transplant. And so the doctors in Arkansas, they said, well, I think you just chose to kill your child, which was pretty harsh words for us to hear. We also had family members telling us, we hope you can live with your decision, which ultimately in the back of our minds, it wasn't about saving Christopher's life at that point. It was about the quality of life that he had, regardless of how long or short it might be. We just wanted to get him home, let him see where his home was, be with his family, and be comfortable however long or short his life might be. So we came home without that heart transplant, and at 45 days old, he came out of the hospital, and he was admitted under hospice. And that's where he stayed. We didn't expect him to live for six months, and we would have birthday parties every single week because we wanted him to experience that life, birthday candles and all. And six months passed, and he's still here. And then one year passed, and we had his birthday party, and it was just the most amazing day for us. I can't express the joy that we felt to see that day. So there's a year, and then here comes along, he's 15 months old, and we're at the cardiology appointment, and the doctors didn't want to do any more echoes because they didn't want to keep getting our hopes up. And Christopher's hospice nurse says, I know this may get me in trouble, but I just want to know what's going on with Christopher's heart. Let's do an echo. And so they did. And that day later on when we're at home, we get a phone call from the cardiologist. And anytime you get a call from home from your cardiologist, your heart just kind of sinks. Well, Mm -hmm. my husband phone and he had the strangest look on his face and he says well doctor my wife is being the question person she is she's going to have a lot of questions may I put you on speakerphone and so he did and the doctor says I just don't know how to explain this but Christopher is no longer in heart failure and his heart is functioning normally now and he doesn't need to be on hospice anymore and that heart transplant that was so long ago this is his heart so his miracles were that I saw this little boy come from the brink of death, and today he's seven years old and he's thriving. He has this disease that keeps us on our toes, but anybody thinks about hospice, they think about maybe their grandparents or someone in their family at end of life, and, you know, most people don't think of end of life 
starting and the beginning of life the way it did for Christopher. So it was quite the unique story, especially here locally. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody had ever heard of congenital heart defects, even at that time, seven years ago. It's amazing the progress we've made with congenital heart defect awareness. But at the time, we felt yeah. like we were the only ones, and we weren't. Of course, you know that. It's one in 100 babies, and they're everywhere. And so Christopher's just such an amazing miracle, and I'm just so honored that God placed me as his mother to help mm-hmm. with his and advocate for him. Well, yeah, that is just truly a miracle. I've never met any other mother whose child has such a serious heart defect that really has the baby at death's door, and with no surgical intervention, the child, it, it seems to me, it repaired itself. It did. It is a miraculous thing, and even today, we don't have any explanations how it happened. I mean, my husband and myself, we like to say it's because God is the reason why Christopher is still alive, because ultimately, he has a last say-so of, of whether or not any of us survive till tomorrow, and it was just part of the plan, I believe, to use Christopher as a testimony to give others to let them know that miracles do happen today, mm-hmm. and just don't yeah. give up your faith, hope. Right. Miracles do happen, and that is truly a miraculous story. I've never heard anything quite like this before, and it's just amazing. And when you have things that defy medical explanation like this, you're left shaking your head. Did he have a nutritional regimen that was different that maybe contributed to that? I know that from the research that I was doing on Barth syndrome, that they do have certain nutritional problems, like you were saying, the feeding problems, the failure to thrive. Were you giving him something that you think maybe helped to contribute to make his heart stronger and work better? Ultimately, I do think that somewhere along the line, nutrition plays a large role in Barth syndrome, and we're still learning about exactly how that affects it. But ultimately, we do believe that. And it's hard for me to say exactly what changed. I do know that we put him on a beta blocker, which helped his blood pressure, and I don't know that could have played a role, and we put him on Pediasure. That may have played a big factor because he went from the formula with the added calorie supplement to this Pediasure, which today, now looking back, that probably wouldn't have been my first choice. The nutrition, when it comes to these boys, it goes per patient. Every child is different. Their nutrition will be customized based upon what they're missing. So the more we understand about Christopher and what what he's missing, I would know how to re-supplement with him. Mm -hmm. And also, we do know that with Barth syndrome, it does play a role on the heart. Undulating effect Mm -hmm. with Christopher, you said that you've never heard this happen before. If you were in a room full of Barth syndrome families, you would find that this little extraordinary boy His story is actually quite ordinary because he's actually the only one who has a story like this where the other boys are in heart failure and their hearts actually, they go on to do better and their hearts have repaired themselves. Now, that being said, I have to say the bad part of it too, the other shoe can fall and we've seen boys go back into heart failure and have to go on and they may or may not ultimately survive or they may have to go back and do a heart transplant. So with Christopher, we still don't know what our journey will hold. We don't know what the future holds, but we know that today we look at a wonderful, happy, thriving little seven-year-old boy that just is amazing. And so he's just... Yeah. 
Well, he fills your heart with pride, I can see. And what a beautiful, inspirational story. We do need to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet because in the last segment, we'll talk to Christy about what advice she has for other parents with birth syndrome children. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Living on Faith, Miracles in Cardiomyopathy, and features Christy Pena, the mother of a Barth Syndrome survivor. And we just finished talking with Christy about the miracle that she has witnessed as Christopher has beaten the odds time and again. And we only have a couple minutes left, but Christy, I would love to know what advice you have for a couple just finding out that their child has Barth Syndrome. First of all, just know that you are your child's advocate and you're their voice. And these doctors, they have several patients, but your child is the only patient that you have. And just know that you're an important part of that team. We live in a day time of social media, and people are going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but social media can be your best friend. You get out there, you connect to others, you find groups, support groups. Like with cardiomyopathy, there's the Children's Cardiomyopathy Foundation. With Bar Syndrome, there's the Bar Syndrome Foundation. Those are going to be your best friends if you have gotten these diagnoses. That would be my first and foremost. Find those support groups, connect to them, become active, have a good relationship with your doctor. If you don't trust that doctor, you need to find someone that you can talk to. Don't feel bad if you ask for a second opinion. Don't feel bad for asking questions. If you're lucky enough to have a diagnosis, which is most of the battle in itself, get out there and participate in advocacy, participate in research, Mm -hmm. because ultimately the research is what's going to help us provide a treatment and maybe even a cure one day for these children. I love that. That is so positive, and that's so perfect. That's the right way for us to end this show. I can't believe half an hour has just totally flown by, but I love that. All of that advice is so perfect, especially the part where you said that the parents are part of the care team. We are an important component of our children's care team, and we are our children's biggest advocate. And I love what your doctor said to you when he said you're about to become an expert on this after Christopher was diagnosed with Barth syndrome. We parents do become our children's experts. We may not know everything there is to know about the conditions that our children have, but we know our children. And I think that's such an important part of our children's survival Unfortunately, we can't fix all of their problems, but we can know our children. We can know what red flags to look for. We know when our kids feel well or don't feel well and need to go in and see the doctor. And unfortunately, there isn't a cure. But Christy, I love what you said about getting involved with research and getting involved with advocacy because it may be too late for our kids in some ways to benefit from some of the research that we can help with, but it won't be too late for our children's children, and it won't be too late for so many of the other children who are afflicted with the same conditions that our children have. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the show, Christy, and I'm so happy to hear that little Christopher is seven years old and doing so well. I mean, it's such a blessing. We're happy. We just take it one day at a time and just remember where to keep our faith and know that we just live in today and not tomorrow and put our research into tomorrow and just 
live for today and enjoy what you've been given. Yeah, I love that, too. We, we do have to live for the day. None of us has tomorrow promise, but a lot of us don't realize that. And I think that those of us who have children with chronic conditions realize how special every day is. I love how you celebrated birthdays every week for a while because you weren't sure which one was going to be the last. And look at how many birthdays you've had to celebrate since then. Christopher, so lucky to have you for a mom and to have parents who are so strong in their faith because I do believe faith and prayer. I believe all of that does play into our children's success. So thanks again for coming on the show. And that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.